has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. No one knows what life has in store for us. When unexpected events like accidents or diseases occur, where do we find the reservoir of strength and endurance we need? When we have pain that doesn't go away, how do we cope with the new life that now confronts us? Our guest, Tony Bernhard, was a law professor at the University of California, Davis, when she traveled to Paris in 2001. There, she became ill with an acute viral infection and has never recovered. It's like having the flu constantly with headaches and aches and pains all over your body. Tony's used Buddhist teachings to free herself from being a prisoner of her chronic illness. In fact, she's written a book about how to do just that. It's called How to Be Sick, a Buddhist-inspired guide for the chronically ill and their caregivers. Today on the show, we'll delve into Tony's experiences and explore how we can awaken in ourselves that new potential that makes life worth living. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Purdue Pharma, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Millennium Laboratories, My Life Patient Program, and DC2 Healthcare, Atlantis Health Group, The Pain Community, and Depot Med Incorporated. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. If you have any questions or comments for Dr. Christo, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. Through the 80s and 90s, Tony was not only a professor of law at the University of California, Davis, but served as dean of students for six years. She studied and practiced Buddhism and led a meditation group in Davis with her husband. Her life changed drastically after the viral illness struck, but she's been able to live life each day to its fullest. Let's find out more. Tony, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thanks very much for having me. You were a law professor at UC Davis, and then in 2001, you were struck by an illness. Tell us about it. Um, uh, my husband and I took a three-week trip to Paris. We live in California. And the second day there, I, I got sick with what we initially thought was just an acute viral infection. But it's now almost 13 years later, and I've never recovered from it. I'm really sorry to hear that. What is it like? I call it the flu without the fever. Mm -hmm. I have headaches. I have aches and pains in my joints and in my body. Um, Dizziness and the kind of fatigue that's a a malaise, a kind of sickly fatigue. I'm not tired. I Mm -hmm. don't fall asleep in front of the TV or anything. So it's not tired. It's a sickly kind of fatigue. I did initially appear to recover from the acute infection, and I was well Mm. for 
about three or four weeks, and then I had a relapse and seemed to recover, and then another relapse, and I never got better. And this is why the doctors think that my immune system is continuing to read me as sick, even though there may not even be an active virus in my system. So you have some sort of immune dysfunction. Do you have a formal diagnosis? Well, yes and no. Um, My doctor writes down on forms chronic fatigue syndrome, Mm -hmm. but I don't really, I don't actually fit the case definition. Right. I have some symptoms that aren't on the list and I don't have other symptoms that are on the list, but... It comes closest, and he has to write down something. (laughs) Uh Um, So that's what he writes down. But the closest diagnosis is chronic immune system activation. Hmm. This is not a recognized condition with a diagnostic code. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you have headaches and joint pain throughout your body. How much discomfort are you in? My pain levels, I guess I would describe as medium. Uh Um, I don't consider them my most serious symptom, but they are something I have to cope with. Absolutely. And how has your illness changed your life? It changed it completely. When I got sick, it was in May and in August, I was planning to start my 20th year of teaching there, actually. Uh So I was a full-time law professor and spent my days in the presence of sometimes in in a classroom of 100 people. Mm -hmm. And I went from that to really living a life of isolation um, in my bedroom with only a couple friends and who I regularly see mm-hmm. and a wonderful husband who has become my caregiver. So his life has changed as much as mine. Oh, I, I can imagine, but you're very fortunate to have him. How else has your illness limited your life? I'm not able to travel to see my children. I have two grown children and two grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And they're not that far, but um, I'm pretty much housebound. So it changed 100%, I would say, just about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and so quickly, too. It reminds me of some patients that I see, specifically with fibromyalgia, who will say to me, gosh, you know, I, I was fully functional and enjoying life one day, and now I'm profoundly debilitated. And Tony, professionally, did you find yourself trying to just tough it out and get through it? My husband would leave work, pick me up, I'd get off the bed, go to the classroom, sit in a chair to teach, come back and get back into bed. And People, I, most people at the law school didn't realize how sick I was. Yeah. And so I forced myself to do that. And it's something I write about in my book, How to Be Sick. Mm-hmm. And I've had so many people tell me that they did the same thing. Because you just cannot believe that you could be, your life could change in such a way overnight that would take you away from your profession and out of the workforce. That's right. It's time for a break. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion with Tony and ask her how she felt others perceived her illness. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, the global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Teva, the leading global pharmaceutical company, committed to increasing access to high-quality health care 
by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. Millennium Laboratories, a leader in the science of toxicology and pharmacogenetics, is transforming the way healthcare professionals monitor and manage their patients' medication therapy. Through the use of advanced technology supported by research and education, Millennium helps practitioners personalize care for patients. For more information, please visit www.millenniumlabs.com. Welcome back. We're here with Tony Bernhard, who's written a book called How to Be Sick. And it chronicles her experience having something like chronic fatigue syndrome that's led to headaches, joint pain, dizziness, and fatigue. Tony, how do you feel that others in your life, family, friends, for example, viewed your chronic illness? I mean, were you believed? Did they think that you were exaggerating? I mean, what what did they feel? You worry that people think you're a malingerer Mm -hmm. and faking it and they just rather stay home. There's a lot that goes into this. And so I did force myself back to work. And I think it was a mistake. I might not be as sick today. If I hadn't done that, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I hear that from my patients all the time, actually. And it was during this time that you wrote your first book, How to Be Sick. What made you decide to write it? I really entered a very dark period. But The good news for me was that at the time I got sick, I had been a practicing Buddhist for 10 years. Uh Uh, I don't practice Buddhism as a religion, but Uh I think of the Buddha as a great psychologist, quite frankly. Uh I find his perspective on how to live well, what makes us happy, what makes us suffer, uh, to be really life saving for me. Mm -hmm. The way I like to put it is to teach myself how to be sick. And it's out of that that the book came. Well, in fact, your work is Buddhist inspired. And for those who who don't know as much about Buddhism, what does that exactly mean? I call the book Buddhist inspired because it's full of practical exercises and things that people can do to help them cope with the life they have. Mm -hmm. And some of those practices I made up based on my understanding. And so it's why I say Buddhist-inspired, because it's not all straight from the Buddha. Right. But, you know, uh, I like what you said. You have practical strategies to help people cope with the life that they have now, rather than the life that they wish they could lead. The Buddha, though, was quite a realist, wasn't he? The Buddha was very upfront about what life is like. Mm -hmm. We're in bodies, and bodies get sick, and they get injured, and they age. And when we fight against that, or try to pretend that things are otherwise, we add mental suffering and stress. Life is difficult even for people without health problems. You're right, it is. But you know, that realism of the Buddha can lead to a loss of hope. My only chance for joy and happiness is to have a realistic picture of what to expect. Yeah. And so what I've learned is that people get sick. (laughs) It happens. Mm -hmm. Life is unpredictable. We can't always get what we want. Right. The way to find a measure of peace is to live the life we have with as much grace and purpose as we can and not constantly fight against the things that we can't change. And that was the turning point for me. You know, I'm very glad that you were able to get to that place of acceptance. 
And Tony, how did your own practice of Buddhism free yourself from being a prisoner of, of your own chronic illness? Well, it has freed me because it's freed my mind. And of course, you know, the body and the mind are connected. Mm-hmm. When, we, when we're under stress, it can exacerbate our symptoms. Right. But our minds can be free. Getting stuck on desires that I simply can't fulfill or tying my happiness to uh, circumstances over which I have no control. Mm-hmm. I-, I was so happy at work. And so I thought, I can't be happy unless I can get back in the classroom. It's a matter of accepting the life that you have, and then within those limitations, uh, finding uh, what you can do. And for me, I discovered I can write, I, I crochet, I, you know, I do things from my bed, mostly. Yeah, well, absolutely. Stay tuned, because when we come back, we'll talk to Tony about what advice she has for patients who haven't been able to reach that place of acceptance like she has. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by My Life Patient Program and DC2 Healthcare, connecting patients to top physicians in the United States, reaching the highest standard of patient care through research patient programs and gains in overall health. For more information, please visit MyLifePatientProject.com and DC2Healthcare.com. Atlantis Health Group. Atlantis is a comprehensive multi-specialty physician group committed to enhancing the quality and process of healthcare delivery across the country. Visit AtlantisHG.com. Purdue Pharma. Making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives. Reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. Welcome back. Tony, what I say to patients of mine uh, who haven't reached that place of acceptance is, is first of all, to have hope, and second, to do those small things they can do now and not to wait to do them later, that is, weeks, months, or even years in the future. That's good, yeah. I, I have an expression for that that I actually got from a Buddhist teacher named Pema Chodron, and she titled one of her books, Start where you are. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I say to people all the time. And I mean that in a big way, but also on a daily basis. I never feel well, but some days are worse than others. This is how I am today. And so within those limitations, what can I do? And it may include canceling a visit with somebody. And if that's the case, that's the case. And, you know, this is one of the things that everyone with chronic pain or illness knows. Some friends don't stick around uh, when you become so unpredictable. Right, right. But I've learned to accept that, too, and to not blame those people when I realize that even my friends who didn't stick around, they wish me well. They're not comfortable around illness, or they're just not able to adjust their lives, to be flexible enough to have a friend who's unpredictable. So I like your idea. It's really this idea of starting where you are Mm -hmm. and then seeing what you can do within that. That's right. What have you done over time to help ease the pain that you're feeling? I mean, the, the aches and pains throughout your body and the headaches. I've been to five different acupuncturists Mm -hmm. and herbalists. So I've gone the Eastern route. Right. 
I've taken treatment called LDN, which is low-dose naltrexone, which is some people use for pain relief. Mm -hmm. And and did it help you? No. Uh, It actually disrupted my sleep terribly, Mm. which is a problem a lot of people have with it. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Now, you mentioned earlier that you went to five different acupuncturists. Were any of them helpful? The acupuncture helped reduce the severity of my headaches. Uh So other than that, the only thing that I do is I protect my sleep. I can sleep well and feel pretty sick the next day. But if I don't sleep well, I will feel awful. Yeah, that's right. You know, a lot of a lot of patients who have pain have trouble sleeping, and we know that if we can improve their sleep patterns, their pain often eases. You know, Tony, in your book, you talk about searching and searching and searching for different therapies to relieve pain. And I, and I have plenty of patients who frantically search for anything that might relieve their pain. I mean, it could be traditional medicines, mind-body therapies, nutritional supplements, surgery. I mean, what is your experience and what would you suggest? You be prudent. You'd be willing to try new things. I have a wonderful uh, GP, Mm -hmm. and he says, I'm willing to try things as long as I know they won't make you worse. And when you undertake a treatment, do so. Um, It's fine to be excited and feel positive about it, but also I think it helps to know it might help, it might not. Because that saves you from going into devastation mode if it doesn't work out. Because I know that one really well. Mm -hmm. And those ups and downs play havoc with your physical symptoms. That's right. I mean, what you're describing is the mind-body connection. Given your experience uh, with Buddhism, how would you integrate Buddhist teachings with traditional or or non-traditional medical therapies for treating any illness? In both of my books, I talk a lot about what's known in Buddhism as the four sublime mental states that we can cultivate Uh that help us find peace and well-being and connect with other people. And one of them is compassion and learning to feel joy in other people's joy. Equanimity, coming from a state of a balanced state of mind in which you are able to ride life's ups and downs and its successes and disappointments. And when you're happy and having a great time, also recognizing that that won't last forever either because that can set you up for despair. And I find that brings me a sense of peace and well-being. Right. And I think the characteristics of joy, compassion, and equanimity are really helpful in helping us cope with the life that we have now. Don't touch that dial, because when we come back, we'll talk to Tony about what it means to be mindful of the present moment using two words. Drop it. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. 
DepoMed Incorporated, a specialty pharmaceutical company focused on developing and commercializing products to treat pain and other central nervous system conditions. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter or like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Welcome back. Tony, let's talk about a useful technique for controlling pain. You call it in your book, Mindfulness of the Present Moment. Describe how it's possible to free our minds from stress, worry, pain, and, and confusion by using just two words. Drop it. So drop it is an example of a Buddhist-inspired practice, because you won't find that in the Buddhist teachings. <laughs> That's something I made up. Right. And so I have a practice in the book that I call drop it, that people tell me is very effective, where when you catch yourself either ruminating about the past or worrying about the future, and in a, in a not constructive way, just mm-hmm. worrying, free-form yeah. worrying about the future, you say to yourself, drop it, and you immediately put your attention on something that's right in the present moment. Yeah. For me, it might be a, a print that's hanging on my wall. So something that comes into your senses, so something you see or something you hear, like I'm hearing an airplane going overhead, and sometimes I hear birds, or something you smell, or something you're touching, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe the feel of a soft blanket on you or something. You bring your attention to your present moment experience. And just like that, all that mental suffering is gone. I like that. We talked about mindfulness. Now let's talk about meditation to ease pain. I don't meditate for long periods of time. Before I got sick, I did, but I I don't Mm -hmm. anymore. I tend to lie down on the bed and maybe meditate for 15 or 20 minutes at a time. And I just follow Mm -hmm. um, my breath. I pay attention to the sensations of my breath going in and out of my body. Or I may even meditate on sounds, just listening to sounds around me. Mm -hmm. And it's a way of bringing your attention to the present moment. If you're meditating like that, and as often happens, you suddenly your mind goes off or you're worrying about the future, you... You just note that you're doing that. And so that's a basic meditation practice. Now, there's also mindfulness practices that can be used specifically to help with bodily pain. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not one of those people who says that you can meditate pain away. Right. Because you can't always. Um, pain relief practices that are, many hospitals are using them now. I mean, they're really wonderful. Mm -hmm. They help you relate to it differently as physical sensations that are impermanent so that you're able to break them up and not experience them as a solid, unchanging block of pain, which often generates stressful stories like, this pain will never go away, I'll always feel like this. Right. There's a lot of different sensations. There may be some heat, there may be some tingling, there may be um, a little shooting pain. And for some reason, when you're able to, it, there's a, a term for it called sensory splitting. Okay. When you're able to break the pain up in that way into different sensations, it becomes more bearable. 
everything changes constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think what you're saying is that it's important to be attentive to where you are now rather than where you want to be or where you were in the past. Tony, I want to thank you so much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. You're very welcome. It's been really nice. Thank you. Unfortunately, we're out of time. And this has been a wonderful show. So please join us for part two of the show with Tony Bernhard, where we gain more insights into Buddhist-based secrets for coping with pain. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.